Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. <laughs> Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, I remember going to a meeting uh, in which Roy Fields was leading worship. And these were people that flew in from all over the world because miracles were going to happen. And there was such an expectancy. The, the, the air was literally charged with faith. And uh, Roy, when you do meetings where the air is charged with such expectancy and such faith, um, that's got to make all the difference in the world to you, doesn't it? Absolutely, because it's it's not about me. It's about him. It's about Jesus. Well, let's before we find out all the wonderful things God is doing when you worship him, uh, the the miracles that are taking place, uh, I want to take you back as a young man. um, uh, Your mother was watching Christian television and got saved. Um, And uh, she was a single mom. Was that correct? Yeah. And uh, so at age eight... You become a believer, and uh, what what memories do you have of your mom after she became a believer? I always remember my mom taking me to church. I mean, any time the church doors were open, she was going, um, whether it be in the Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night meeting. Um, we grew up in the Assembly of God Church, and um, even when they had special meetings, I just remember going to the church all the time. And my mom was always a praying woman. Um, I'd always look at my mom and she prayed all the time because she didn't have a husband and she didn't have, you know, a father for me. And I was a handful, Sid. I was quite a handful. Um, I had a lot of anger in my heart because my dad wasn't there. And um, I just remember that all the time she would try to do the best that she could. But it was a pretty tough life. So you got saved as a young child at eight years old, and then at 11, uh, you were filled with the Holy Spirit, but you felt a call into ministry. Tell me about that. Oh, I'll never forget that. I was in a house, um, a good old-fashioned Bible study, where people had gone to the Sunday morning service, but then there were other churches that came together, and they just had this Bible study with different denominations, different people. And they had about 40 or 50 people packed in this living room. And there were five acoustic guitarists lined up across the front, and they were leading worship. And they sang this song called, I Lift My Hands. And uh, it kind of went like, you know, I lift my hands to the coming King, to the great I Am, to you I sing, for you're the one who reigns within my heart. And, I mean, it got to that, that chorus part where it goes, I will serve no foreign gods or any other treasure. And when I heard that, all I can tell you is the presence of God just hit me, and I realized I don't serve some foreign god. He's real. 
and I felt my whole body was just, I can't explain it, it was charged with electricity. And in that moment, I didn't hear God's voice. I felt him. In that moment, I said out of my mouth, I said, Lord, if this is what I get to feel every time leading worship takes place or your presence comes, I want to do this the rest of my life. Now, at that point, uh, were you uh, musically inclined? Uh, Did you play any instruments? No, the crazy thing is when I was eight years old, my mother wouldn't let me play uh, an instrument because I wanted to play saxophone. And I had asthma since I was two and a half years of age. And so she was nervous that I might use up all my breath and not be able to breathe. So I couldn't play anything. And when I wanted to play drums in elementary school, um, about four different boys had already taken the spot or the position. So I didn't play any instruments. But at 11, at 11 and a half, that's when I turned to one of the guitar players and I said, could you show me a chord? I want to learn what you're doing. And he let me play his guitar for like 20 minutes. And that was it. I was sold. My mother took me to a Salvation Army uh, the next couple of days and we bought this little student guitar. I put on some new strings on that guitar and like a hippie, <laughs> I wrote, I love Jesus on the back of it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I played, I played by myself like three chords for weeks cause I didn't know anything else. And I just worshiped in my bedroom and that really started everything for me. Uh, was those moments. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You, you said to God, if this is what it's like, I want to be a worshiper all the time. Uh, is it like that when you worship God? I mean, you've been worshiping now for years and years and multiple meetings, sometimes even in a day. Is it still the same? It really is. It's the most precious thing that I have. I really don't have anything else in my life except this breath. You know, before... We went on the air. Um, I was telling you about a movie I saw many years ago called Chariots of Fire. It's a true story uh, about two uh, uh, track stars. And, and the, the, uh, one of the two was a Christian. And when he would run, he would say, I feel God's pleasure when I run. Would you say I feel God's pleasure when I worship God. Would you say that, Roy? Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Sid. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I would absolutely say that. When I look out and I see the faces of the people and I see them getting caught up in worship, it's like I'm watching transformation in front of my eyes. And uh, I don't even think about myself. I think about that person. I think about God and how he touched how he touched mankind. I mean, I can see somebody come in with depression or somebody comes in with pain and you get the straggler that comes in the back of the room and he doesn't want to worship at all. He's got his arms folded. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll say, Lord, help me with this service. I want to reach that guy right back there. And I'll, I'll almost change the whole service just to get that guy so that every single person is engaged worshiping God. And I, I feel that approval from God. I feel that acceptance. And I do. I feel like I have been designed to run this way. That's, that's, that's the reason I was created. But you, I have to ask you this. You still sound so tender, so uh, sensitive 
to God. How do you stay that way? I, I mean, with all the junk you must have seen being in ministry of uh, humans letting you down, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, how do you stay so tender before God? You're going to make me cry. Um, I'm sorry. Um, probably because, excuse me, um, probably because God's done such a work in me and he saved me and it's overwhelming to me and I just, I don't know, Sid. It's the grace of God. I, I guess I could come up with an answer and try to make it sound all great, but it's just really the grace of God in my life. And I've got a a great wife by my side today. Um, you know, I had some backsliding years uh, in 19 to 21. And I don't know, at 21, I just, I was in upstate New York and I cried out to God and I said, Lord, I know that you've called me. And I said, I, I don't, I don't even want to—I got to a point, Sid, where I didn't want to be in church anymore. It was so fake to me. Everybody else was becoming so fake and so religious, and it's like they weren't being real. And and I said to God, I said, I can't take this anymore. And when I was in the world from age 19 to 21, I I, I didn't like the world either. Uh, I remember walking into a a bar one time, and these uh, these friends of mine who said they were my friends— uh, left when a guy picked a fight with me. And I thought, man, even they desert me. And I had a moment with God at 21, and I said, Lord, I don't want your church, and I don't want the world. I just want you. And uh, he uh, he touched me. <laughs> he touched me, and I ended up, a series of events took place where months later I moved down to Florida. And... Uh, Within two months, met my wife, and things just started to change. I can't even explain it. I was leading worship everywhere, and uh, things were happening extraordinarily in the meetings. People were getting healed and coming up. And not, I, I'm not a typical worship guy who wants to sell CDs. I am so addicted to God's presence that that's all I care about. And I, you know me, Sid. I've been in crowds of huge amounts of numbers. And even that, it, there's an excitement, but nothing compares to what I feel when I'm in His presence when I worship Him. There's nothing. There's no money. There's no car. There's no house. There's no accolade. There's no title. My life doesn't mean anything without Him. It really doesn't. Well, it shows when you worship God, just just like uh, that uh, Eric uh, Little when he ran. It showed that he felt the pleasure of God. Uh, your CDs are unlike most uh, because of your addiction to the presence of God, and you actually get songs downloaded to you during services. Um, I want to make three of your CDs available to our mishpocha. One was actually exclusive for It's Supernatural, and these are not like normal music CDs. These are birthed in the midst of a move of God's Spirit, of revival. It's not just good music. It It's impregnated with revival, and people experience uh, the fire of God, the love of God, breakthroughs. They... 
as, as hungry as you are for God still today, Roy, they, that's kind of transferred. Uh, there's a God hunger that is transferred to people, uh, which leads to really deep intimacy, um, signs and wonders, addictions are broken, depression disappears, healings. Uh, I, I want to get these CDs in your hands available for a gift of $40. Call our order only line, 1-800-447-447. 2697. 1-800-447-2697. Now, tell me about children in different states that see the same angel when you worship. Tell me what they told you. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. They came back to uh, the CD table, and I only heard one of them because I saw a video, but the other three told my staff uh, to get a message to me that during the worship, uh, we had about 8,000 people in the arena uh, most of those nights. And they said they looked up, and behind me was standing something like a 14-foot angel waving a sword on fire. And when I first heard it, I thought, wow, that's awesome, you know, because I've never seen anything, but I've, I've heard things in the past. But when two, three weeks went by, and another child from another state said the same exact thing, and then another child, then another child, said there had to be an angel waving a sword on fire behind me while I was leading worship. And and at some of the meetings where they reported the angel, did you notice anything unusual that went on, say, with uh, uh, salvations or healings? Oh, yeah. There was a couple nights healings broke out where um, there wasn't even a word of knowledge. People just started screaming out in the middle of the meeting, and all of a sudden they would be coming up to the platform Nobody touched them. Nobody gave a word of knowledge. They were just healed. Uh, I remember particularly uh, in the beginning weeks of the the, the revival um, that uh, there was a 15-year-old kid who had a burn mark on the right side of his leg or the left side of his leg. And in the worship, it disappeared. And he came up and pulled up his pant leg and showed it. And that got my attention. That really got my attention. I was like, wow. There's one thing of being, um, enti- what's the word? There's one thing of being um, addicted to his presence. It's a whole other thing of being healed because of his presence. I have a question for you. you here's a statement you, you've made, a quote from you, Roy. When we worship, it activates us to believe. I've always seen that with certain evangelists. Uh, if they're smart, they have worship before they teach and then pray for the sick. But in your meetings, people get healed just while they're worshiping. What causes that? Well, the statement that I made that activates belief is because when you're going through life and you wake up in the morning, the typical American or typical person around the world goes to work and they have to go provide and make money and then come home. And it's kind of a monotonous thing, yet it's a necessary thing. And when they come into a service where Jesus is being lifted up, uh, worship, when you're singing about God, when you're singing to him, mainly to him, not about him, it your heart begins to line up with your words and your words begin to line up with your heart. And now you can all of a sudden believe because you're in that atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like when you hear, um, 
uh, soaking kind of music, you automatically feel peace because it's about the Lord. It's just music is very universal and powerful, Sid. It's the only thing I've seen besides laughter or even speaking in other languages um, that everybody understands immediately when you play the first few notes. Um, it's it's so powerful. Uh, and, and when David, you know, you think of David when he played his harp, why did the demons leave King Saul? Because music is so powerful. And when you add a heart to music, and not just a heart, but a heart to God, it is extremely powerful. Tell me about your song, In the Presence of Angels. In the Presence of Angels was written in uh, around December 2007. Uh, I was in this person's house. A friend of ours is a boat captain, and he's got a dolphin cruise off the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida. And one night we had this small little meeting where I had led worship and then preached. And then that night I just couldn't stop singing to God. I just continued going on through the night. And in the middle of the night, like probably around 1 o'clock in the morning, while I was worshiping God, I heard this melody. I wasn't trying to work out a melody. Some people try to write stuff. I really try to hear. Um, I heard this da 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 And I felt like I had a glimpse from heaven. I thought I was seeing angels dancing around and formations and stuff and around a throne kind of thing. Uh, and it just came to me, holy, holy. Holy, holy, I heard it over. I must have played that song that night probably about two hours straight. And it's four chords, so you'd think it would be monotonous, but it wasn't. It was just like, I looked down at my watch, and I thought, there's no way I've been playing this for two hours. That's how that came about. Now, now, do you believe you actually heard the angels singing? I do. I do today. I probably didn't. Ten years ago, but I definitely do today, and, and and I'm not afraid to say that. What what was their uh, worship like? It causes you to have to fall on your face. Well, let, let, uh, okay, uh, if you're driving, I suggest you pull to the side of the road in the presence of angels. Singing 
that was in the presence of angels by Roy Fields. And he got this song from angelic help. It came from heaven. And when people go into his meetings, the anointing is so strong because there's a hunger, an expectancy for revival. I I mean, Roy, you've been blessed. You've been with so many men of God that 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 have moved in revival. It's kind of contagious. Uh, you've been with Rodney Howard Brown recently, with Reinhard Bunke, and uh, uh, and I, I imagine when you lead worship for these people, whatever anointing they're moving in, it kind of falls back on you, and you capture it. And then when you do your own meetings. You see the same results. People in your meetings experience the fire of God, the love of God, breakthroughs. They deep, develop deep hunger for God. Roy, I'm going to take you back. You're 16 years of age. You get a prophetic word that you're going to go to Africa. Well, two years go by, and did you kind of forget that word? Yeah, I did kind of, actually. I was just, you know, a young teenager going through life, and yeah. Uh, so you f- you find yourself on a trip going to South Africa that changes your life forever. Uh, oh, yeah. Tell me what happened. Well, um, my mother actually, uh, when I turned 18, uh, had married uh, a godly man. And so a couple things actually happened at that moment is my mother had a new husband and I had a new father. And... Uh, there was an opportunity uh, from somebody in the church that's from South Africa that he was going to Africa, to Zimbabwe, and asked if I would come along, and they didn't even know about the prophecy or anything. Um, And then the pastor reminded them about the prophecy, and my stepfather actually paid for both of us to go. And when I got there, it's so funny that we're talking about, we talked about Reinhardt a little bit, because I thought I was going to have these extraordinary meetings, you know, with thousands of people. And when I got there, we were in little villages with 50 people in most places. And at the end of the two months of going through Africa and helping people and praying for them and, you know, worshiping and and leading worship and preaching and everything, um, I missed my flight to come back to America. I was riding on uh, Balkan Airlines and, uh, uh, they, this pastor called up this other guy I was with and said, we want to invite Roy to come to our school if he's here another week, which I was. And I went to this high school called Marondera High School. And while I was there, the headmaster, which is the principal, said, you know, you can have meetings this entire week every night. It's up to the kids if they want to come. It's not going to be mandatory. Uh, you might have eight kids. You might have a couple hundred. And so the first night, I had eight kids. <laughs> they were all saved, Sid. They they all um, already accepted Jesus in their heart. And I only had two scriptures at the time I preached, which was John 3.16 and Galatians 2.20. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, shall have everlasting life. And then Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified in Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that was it, Sid. My, my whole sermon was over with. I had already led a little bit of worship, 
And I heard the Lord tell me, I could hear his voice. It wasn't audible. I just knew it in my spirit, my heart. Call somebody up that needs healing in their body. Well, seven of them out of the eight came up. You don't think that young kids need healing. I, I've, that took a lot of nerve to, you probably figured maybe one. <laughs> well, the fact that I had never moved in healing in my entire <laughs> 18 years of life was probably another factor. Uh, yeah, and so I, <laughs> you don't think that about kids. You, what do you, what, what's your problem? You know, what, you got a cold or a sniffle, you know? And uh no, they came forward and, and come to find out some of them was emotional healing. Some of them was depression, you know, for their lifestyle in, in Africa. And I'll never forget picking up my hand and putting it towards this kid's forehead like I had watched other ministers before. And I just, I couldn't, I didn't even know what to pray. So I just said, Lord, let the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus on the day of his baptism uh, and his ordination, let it come upon this man right now, or this young man right now. And this kid flew across the room. I mean, went right over the chairs. So you were as shocked as he was, and the other and the other kids too. <laughs> you all yeah, were shocked. I almost, I almost didn't want to pray for the next bunch of people because I didn't know what that was. I didn't even. And the thing about it is, nobody was with me. I was all by myself. This other friend of mine was in Malawi. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my goodness! And then I got kind of excited after my fear left me, and I want, I want to do this again. <laughs> So I went to the second kid, and I lifted my hand. I said, lift your hands, close your eyes. And this is because I had watched other ministers do this before, and I, I meant it from my heart. And I just said, Lord, let the same Holy Spirit that touched Jesus touch this man now in Jesus' name. And the kid went flying. The third kid, and I tell this story this way because this is what happened. The third kid, I went to go pray for him, and all of a sudden I started to prophesy out of my mouth about this kid was going to be in ministry, in full-time ministry, as a student leader, and that his finances were going to change. And the crazy thing is, is that two years later, after I left Africa, came back to America, I received a letter from that kid that a church had hired him over 500 students and put him on staff, and they were paying him a salary. Uh, was that the first time you prophesied? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the first time you prayed. Now, to explain to me exactly what happened. You touch him, and he went flying through the air. Uh, how far? Touch any of them. Didn't touch him. You didn't touch him? No. Then I was going to. But before my hand could even get to their forehead, the first kid went flying. The second kid, the same thing. And then the third kid, I went to... Now, now when you say flying, describe that to me, because I wasn't there. What, 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 well, what do you mean? If you were to be thrown back... Okay, if you were thrown back and just pushed on a bunch of chairs, that's what happened to this kid. But hmm. never touched him. Now, were any people, any of the young kids healed? Yeah, well, what happened is after all, I prayed for all seven, that one kid that didn't come up was afraid. He was a little bit scared and timid. He didn't want to come forward. And, and there's only eight kids in this room. And I just went up to him. He was sitting down, and I noticed his foot was kind of turned in a little bit. And I says, are you okay, buddy? He said, can I pray for you? And he said, uh, I was a little nervous. I didn't want to come up front. And I said, well, let me just pray for you right here. And I remember watching a minister take, uh, you know, a young lady's legs and bring bring them up side by side and notice that one was longer than the other. Well, this kid's foot was, it was kind of turned in. So, and his foot, of course, was going to be shorter than the other. And I put my hands up underneath him, and I said, In the name of Jesus, I speak to every bone, every muscle, every ligament. I command you to line up with the Word of God right now. 
Well, nothing happened. And then I had fear again. And I went, oh, my gosh. Well, maybe if I leave now, nobody doesn't know my name anyway, so I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and prayed again, and the kid went, Jesus, please. And when he did that, in my hands, I watched this kid's foot crunch, snap, and pop into place. And all the other kids were standing around us now at this point, and they screamed, and he screamed. And he got up, and he ran around, and we just sat there looking at this. The kid was completely healed. Now, now the first night you had uh, eight people. Uh, how many did you have afterwards the, for well, the next meeting? This kid went running around the whole campus. And when I had another meeting the next night, 300 kids showed up because of that one little kid. And what, what happened when the 300 showed? Oh, my goodness. That's where things started changing. Um, I was late to the meeting the second night. All 300 of them, I didn't have my guitar, I didn't have a keyboard, I didn't have a sound system, so it was just my voice. Right before I got to that um, auditorium, 300, just imagine 300 students rocking back and forth. I think some of those kids knew the song Hallelujah, and all 300 of them were singing Hallelujah. You know the old Catherine Kuhlman song? I do. Hallelujah. I didn't even preach that night. I just walked in and said, who needs healing in their body? Who needs prayer? They all rushed the platform. And we had to move out of the classroom into that auditorium because it just you just couldn't hold that many kids. And I started laying hands on everybody, and they were falling out. I walked by three kids, and they fell out without me even touching my hand. I didn't even lay hands on them. And, and all of a sudden, it grew again. The next night, there was like 500, and then 700, and then... By the last night, we had a thousand students, the entire student body, and all the headmistress, headmaster, all the teachers were lined up alongside the uh, walls, and I was praying for all these kids. It was a revival. And, and uh, were many uh, delivered, healed? Oh my! Saved? God. Yeah, people were. You'd see you'd see young girls screaming, and they would be delivered of demons coming right out of them. And, you know, they have witch doctors over there, Sid. So they've been, like, involved in all kinds of stuff that's just really demonic. And uh, there were there were kids that were, backs were healed. Um, well, I understand people were actually drunk in the spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they have no paradigm for that. They've never seen anything like that before. No, no, no. Uh, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think I had ever seen anything like that before. Uh, it was it was all fresh and brand new to me, and I was just loving every moment of it because uh, at one point I felt the Holy Spirit say, "You know, I'm doing this," and and I said, "Oh, this is blowing my mind." <laughs> I See, mean, my relationship with God really started to grow. It really started to grow. Well, I mean. You never really thought that you would have a healing ministry, I would imagine. No, no I thought I'd sing songs the rest of my life. Well, speaking of singing songs, I was so interested in what you were saying. We didn't hear your music, but it doesn't matter. Everyone has heard the Spirit of God upon you, and actually someone was just healed. Someone's neck was just healed, and someone's back was just healed. There's such an anointing, even on his talking. Imagine what happens when he worships God with every fiber of his being. All these CDs 
were done during revival. The spirit of revival is upon these CDs. The people report the fire of God touches them, the love of God, breakthroughs. They have such a hunger for God that's de that, that develops within them. Uh, many people, when, when they go to these meetings, they uh, it's contagious. They develop a deep intimacy with God, and that's what you're asking for, crying out for. We're making the three CDs available for a gift of $40 by Roy Fields. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 1-800-447-2697 Roy, tell me about the song, On To You. Most of these songs are birthed during worship and during revival. Uh, tell me about how you happened to get the song, On To You. On To You, uh, I remember um, I went to a city called Muskegon in Michigan, United States of America. And when I walked in the door, I knew the moment I walked in, it was about 3.45 a.m. on a Sunday morning, the pastor met me. The Lord said to me, you're going to be here a while, which is normally what we do. Uh, we try to set up at a church, and we just want to see God move every night there until it was time to stop. Well, in the middle of one of the services that night, we had packed the place out. We probably had about 400, 500 people there. Um, I kept hearing this melody during worship. Da 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 And I mean, over and over. Once again, like in the Presence of Angels song we talked about, all of a sudden, it was like an hour later, we've been playing that over and over, and nobody was leaving the room. People's hands were up, people were on their face, they were on the floor, weeping. Um, once again, people were coming up, even testifying. In tonight's worship, I just felt this all this pain go out of my body, and I felt healing, and I just knew it was a song. Well, I kept that, as I say, in my arsenal. <laughs> and then two years later, uh, I hadn't done anything with it, and I went to Nashville and got with uh, a couple of uh, writers that had written for Michael W. Smith and said, hey, guys, can you help me? This This happened in the middle of worship. I feel like it's a song to write. And they said, well, what are you hearing on that, you know, that little melody line? And I said, man, I hear holy, worthy, and glory. I said, but I've already written a holy, worthy, and glory song. And I said, there's so many holy, worthy, glory songs out there. How could we, how could we write another one? It would just be redundant. But said there, I'm sure as you've heard it, there is no way to get away from it. It is all about worshiping Jesus. And, the song came, we had this great verse, all creation, you know, cries out your name, falling down before your throne, with a mighty anthem raised, unto you alone, for you are holy, worthy, glory. I mean, it, I just can't get away from it. So many miracles happen when he worshiped with this song. Let's see what happens right now. On to you. Creation cries your name 
falling down before your throne with a mighty anthem raised unto
That was Unto You by Roy Fields. And I have to tell you, the presence of God in Roy's concerts are so strong, it even affects atheists. Tell me about one atheist that went to one of your concerts, Roy. Yeah, I had met up with uh, a, a husband and a wife uh, several years after they had been to one of the meetings that we did in the arena. And uh, he had told me how he was an atheist most of his life. His wife had a deaf ear. And they came, she, she, they flew all the way from the UK to come to one of those meetings. And he said during the meeting, he really didn't want to be there. His wife dragged him into the meeting. And they were there during the worship one night. Well, her ear popped open. And according to her, fluid started coming out of her ear. And she screamed and she said, John, John. And he looked over and she said, I can hear, I can hear. And he said he felt like this warm sensation come over him. He was such a doubter, such a disbeliever. And he said all of a sudden he felt his arms being pulled up and then his legs being pulled down. And he found himself on the floor on his knees with his hands lifted up and saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. This is a 60-year-old atheist? Yeah, and this isn't just a 60-year-old atheist, Sid. This is a 60-year-old British atheist. <laughs> American atheist you can deal with. They're, they're not too difficult, but you take a British atheist, they are hard-nosed and right down to the point there is no God. Now, did you get any reports on him after he had received the Lord? It was amazing. He was telling me, with tears in his eyes, Sid, he was telling me, since that moment his wife has received her hearing, he has led 300 people to Jesus Christ as a result of that moment in his life. And they are now in Florida. They moved to Florida because of it. Their whole life has been transformed, and they're preaching Jesus every day now. He's on the streets sharing the gospel with people. He says, Roy, I've led 300 people, and I've been serving them ever since. People are healed of every disease and pain and emotional trauma imaginable when they get under the worship, especially worship that's during revival. Very briefly, just a few seconds, tell me about a person with cancer that had six months to live. This lady was in a meeting um, with six months to live. She had been diagnosed by the doctor that she wasn't going to survive and that she had to get her affairs in order. She had been getting constant chemo treatments. She came into the worship service on a Sunday morning in this little church, little white church in uh, Pennsylvania. And during the worship, she just started feeling this warmth come all over her. And I began to preach afterwards a little bit. Of course, I preach and play at the same time. And I called her out and I just said, lady, I believe today is your day. I can feel God saying he wants to heal you of cancer. And it wasn't a word of knowledge. Somebody actually told me, the pastor had told me that she had it. She got out of her chair and she walked across the front with me back and forth. And as she did, she had major swelling in her legs and her feet. Her feet were literally so swelled up that her sneakers were bursting at the seams. Um, and she felt the swelling go down. She felt the uh, pain go away and she sat back down. What, what did the doctors report? A month later, she had gone to the doctor. They cannot find any cancer. Tell me about the lady who fell off of a roof and was in pain for how many years? 
something like nine years. Yeah, she came. She came to one of the meetings. They actually had two people bring her in. She was hunched over. She was crying on the way in, and she had been in our service for like two hours of worship. And she started to sit up a little bit in her chair. And then uh, at the end of the night, she had to leave because the pain had come back during the preaching. And as she was walking out towards the back, the lady grabbed a hold of me and says, would you come pray for her, please? I had another evangelist that was preaching for me at that time. And I came out back and began to pray with her. And I looked her in her eye and I says, when did you feel pain leave you? And she said, during one of the songs you sang. And I said, you're kidding. And I said, well, look at me now, lady. I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you're going to walk out of this place today. And I just knew it, said, I don't know how to explain it. I grabbed her by her uh, her wrists, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, now stand. She stood right up. It was almost like her back had just lined up with everything we said. And, and it was before that time she was sort of hunched over? She was hunched over. She was actually helped into the meeting, yeah. Hmm. And she stood straight up, and to her surprise, I said, I'm going to freak you out. Because <laughs> it was freaking me out, <laughs> and so she walked. She walked down one side of the hall and, and back the other. And uh, later on, uh, she had showed up in another meeting in another town a week later, and she was completely healed. She came in with her sneakers jumping, showing me that she was completely healed. And I said, "Wow, that's way more than what you did the night that we prayed with you." I said, "What happened?" She said, "When I went home that night, I put on some of the worship." And I began to just lay in bed. And she said, like a belt, I felt like I was folded in half and then snapped four different times. And she said, it's like everything in my body just lined up, lined up. She says, I haven't been on any pain medication. She goes, Roy, I'm totally healed. Uh, Roy, you got an insight, a revelation of when we worship, we're worshiping with heaven. What did God show you? There was a uh, there was a time uh, just recently, actually, I was up top of a mountain at a pastor's house that had he had been the man used in my life to teach me how to pray and how to how to just worship God and uh, with with prayer. And we just started talking about the subject of heaven. Of what if heaven is all around us? What if it's not someplace out of earth, but it's just all around us? And we talked about. Elijah, how he was taken off in a chariot, and how Enoch just was no more as he was walking with God. And as I said that, I said, you know, I wonder if we're surrounded by witnesses everywhere around us, and they're just walking around. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, it says that there were saints of old that were seen walking around as well. And it was about 9.30 at night, and I just said, what if heaven's all around us? What if people are listening to our conversation right now? Oh my gosh. I try not to share this too many places because it, it's a fearful thing. But as I said that, I watched everything disappear in front of me. The pond disappeared. The, the forest disappeared. Everything. And I saw a mass of people, uh, just regular people, standing there saying nothing with their head tilted towards us, listening to what we were saying. And I saw it, and the pastor did not see it, but he felt it. And I said, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Did you hear that? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And, so, I re- and then it went away. It just disappeared. So, so both of you uh, had your eyes open to see that we're surrounded with witnesses and that heaven is not a million miles away. It's, it, it, it's literally a second away, a millisecond away. It's amazing. Okay. And he didn't actually see it. I did. He felt it. He had hair go right up on the back of his neck. Hmm. It was something else. It was something else. I've never had that experience in my entire life, ever. Tell me about the song briefly, Fill This Place. Fill This Place was a song back in 2000. Oh, gosh, I think it was three. Um, I was a worship leader for a church. I was getting ready on a Saturday night, as I usually would. Uh, I would have the team, uh, you know, rehearse with me. And then they went home. Well, I always stayed to make sure everything was taken care of. And I had my guitar on my my shoulder, and I was just walking around. I had a wireless unit attached to the guitar and a wireless mic. And I would walk around the entire sanctuary. And I just began to sing. And I said, Lord, just fill this place, God. You know, I really I wanted, I wanted to see revival in my own church. And I said, Lord, just touch every heart that comes in. You know, fill this place. Let me feel your embrace. And all of a sudden, these words started coming. Well, I began to play that song over and over. I mean, the words supernaturally came. I'm not really a writer, Sid. I mean, I'm I'm starting to become one, but I'm I'm really just trying to hear. I'm trying to hear. You know what I mean by that? I'm just trying to hear. I do. What heaven's sound is. That's more important than just trying to write something. And out came this, you know, uh, let me feel your embrace. Uh, you've called me as your son, and uh, let the fire rise back to you, Lord. And I just played it. And for uh, once again, it must be my number. For like two hours, it had gone by, and I looked at my watch again. I thought, this is amazing. I've, I've been here for two hours, and it feels like five minutes. And that's how that song was birthed. And the presence is so filled. It it's kind of have, has a double meaning, Roy. You said fill the place where you were having the meeting, but it, to me it means fill my body with your Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. That is what I meant by it. Fill this place, Roy Fields. Lord, fill this place. Let me feel your embrace Oh Lord touch this heart of mine With your love so divine Let the embers burn Touch this heart of mine 
That was Fill This Place from the three CDs that we're making available by Roy Fields. You see, when Roy worships, he's just worshiping God, but he does it in the midst of a revival. And these three CDs are just pregnant with the Spirit of God. Uh, People are experiencing the fire of God, the love of God. They're having breakthroughs in every area of their life, Uh, their, their hunger. Their first love is coming back for God, and that's, there's someone that needs that. You need these three CDs. It's going to lead you into deep intimacy with God. People are healed. Addictions are broken. Depression has to leave. Available for a gift of $40. Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. The Lord is is smiling upon you right now. The Lord is is telling me right now that people's backs and necks are being healed and wrists. All pain is gone. Carpal tunnel is healed. Arthritis from fingers is gone. In Jesus' name, the Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is giving you gifts. Just receive them right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now in the name that is above every problem, every sickness, every pain. Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.com. Org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500.
888-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.